Hi, this is Rabbi Dovi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham, thanking you in advance for listening to the following Shi'ur Torah. I'm sure, I have no doubt, that everybody here tonight heard of an organization in Eretz Yisrael that goes by the name Zaka. The organization is legendary in a very short amount of years. An organization that would be tantamount to something we're very familiar with in the United States, like an organization of Hatzalah, where at any moment, at any time, when there's a Jew in need, medically, an illness, in any which way, in moments, Hatzalah is there. So too in Eretz Yisrael, there's an organization that goes by the name Zaka, that at any time, Has v'shalom lo'aleinu, we should never know. But if there's ever any terrorist attacks, any bombings, the job that no one wants to do, they come to the scene of the terrorist attack, and there are volunteers that are professional disaster specialists. Matter of fact, Recently, this organization in Israel got world claim, international fame. Recently, we all know that there was a terrible earthquake in Haiti. And the very first organization volunteers on the scene in the Caribbean was an Israeli Jewish organization, Zaka, from Israel, who proved to be not just good-hearted volunteers, but they proved to be true professionals in the organization of a disaster situation like the earthquake that took place in Haiti, to the extent that the Haitian authorities turned to these Israeli groups of Zaka, and they asked them to literally take over the entire efforts to run the Hatzalah efforts in Haiti at that disaster and the earthquakes. They were so proficient. They were so well trained. What an incredible Kiddush Hashem. What do we have to do with Haiti? What do the Haitian people have to do with the Jews? Absolutely nothing. But there it was. An incredible moment for Am Yisrael. How the eyes of the world, who we were constantly slandered and depicted by the leftist newspapers, as the Jewish people, as the Israeli people, and what's going on with the Palestinians in Israel today, and how they slant the story to make Israel constantly look like the aggressor, like a dictatorship. Here Israel was able to show the world that we are exactly the way the Mishnah in Perkei Avot says. Do you want to know what a Jew is? Rachmanim b'nei Rachmanim, gomle hasadim. We're a very merciful people. We're people that love to do acts of kindness. We're a people who love to help others. And there, in the eyes, in the stage of the world, this wonderful organization did such an incredible Kiddush Hashem. They came from Israel that morning before anybody else in the world can react. And they were already there, not just saving lives, but running the entire disaster efforts in Haiti. All the newspapers covered it. What a Kiddush Hashem it was to the world. You know where this comes from? This comes from the fact that we come from a great man, our patriarch, 
the great Abraham Avinu, the master of Chesed, the master Achnasat Orchim, because he was such an incredible dynamo of Chesed and Achnasat Orchim. We today, his children, his sons, his daughters, we have in our DNA, in our makeup, an incredible loving and yearning and wanting to do acts of kindness, achnasat orchim, chesed, at any turn of the way that we can. I remember years ago when I was learning in Israel, I bumped into an Israeli guy, struck up conversation, he was about to shuvah, a very interesting guy. And he started telling me a little bit about his family life, and he said to me, I have to tell you the story of how I met my wife. Now, some of us may know, and we mentioned this actually last week, that in Israel, for good or for bad, the system is that when a guy goes through the Israeli army, after he serves his time, he gets a year of chofesh, like a sabbatical, as we spoke last week. And Israel gives this particular young man, young lady, the opportunity for a year off to leave the army. And they'll fly him on the cheshbon of the Medina, and they'll fly him out, El Al, to anywhere they want to go in the world for a year. And this guy decided that he wanted to go to Africa. So he gets on a plane, and he goes out to Africa, to a particular part of Africa that he was always in there, that he always wanted to see. And there he comes to this village in Africa, and he's walking around the village and he sees the poverty. And he sees these young little children like little young skeletons. There's no food, there's hardly any clean water to drink. And he's walking around, and he sees the poverty, and he sees mamash. Oh, these people are dying. And at that moment, he was thinking to himself, what well, you're probably all thinking now, when I heard the story, I was thinking of all those commercials, about 30 cents a day, a cup of coffee, can save this child, and there's that kid on the... And there they were. He found himself there in that poster and that advertisement in Africa. Looking at these little kids. And the poverty it killed him. He wanted to do something. And he was watching. He was watching how all the people of this village, they were all going to a certain tent that was set up on the outskirts of the village. They would walk into the tent. And they would walk in with illnesses. They would walk in with broken arms. They would walk in hungry. And every single one of the people would come out of the tent happy. And he said to me, he wanted to see what was going on in that tent. What were they giving away in that tent? So he went over the tent and he goes inside. And he sees that there's a young lady there, alone, surrounded by 30, 40 of the village people. To some people she was giving medical attention. She was a doctor. To some people she was giving food. To some people she was putting band-aids on. To some people she was just giving a little words of encouragement in their native language. And he walked up to this lady and he said to her, I'm amazed by the work you're doing. And all alone, single-handedly. Incredible what you're doing. You're literally keeping this village alive. And she looked at him and she said, Ma, ataloma In a back village in Africa, in the boondocks, the places that the news don't reach. And there is an Israeli girl, not religious. She doesn't know about mitzvot. She might not know about Hashem. But she has this urge. 
She has a need, a calling of fulfillment to make the difference in the lives of others in the ways of kindness, chesed, achnasat orchid. And that brings her out to Africa to make her life's work in a backward village somewhere to be the one and only hand to literally keep this village alive. That's a Jew. You know how she was able to do that? Do you know what burned inside her to send her off on such a quest? Because she's the daughter, whether she knew it or not at the time, she's the granddaughter of the great Abraham Avinu. There's no question in my mind. Sure enough, he began to speak to her. Sure enough, little by little, he got to know her better. He convinced her to come back with him to Israel. They both became later on religious and they got married. But this is what it means to be a Jew. It means to be the light onto the nations. The good people. The people that people look at and say, wow, now those are special people. It's because we came from a great man, Abraham Avinu. And here it's in this week's parasha that it's demonstrated the master of chesed, the amudah de chesed, the master of hachnasat orchim. We're here. Chazal tell us that yes, Abraham Avinu was holding on the third day after Brit Milah, the day that he was most in pain. However, says the Midrash, it pained him even more that he did not have any guests, no one to wait on, no one to do acts of kindness, no one to feed. That's a Jew. That pain is more, even more than a physical pain. And here Abraham Avinu is waiting outside, Kichom Hayom, in a blazing sun. And he's waiting to do chesed with somebody, in physical pain nonetheless. So Borei Olam was Merachem. And he sends down three angels in the way of passerbyers, vagabonds. And there Abraham runs after them, as we all know. And he begs them and he pleads them not to leave. And he brings them in to be able to do hachnasat orchim with them. Says the Rambam, take a good look at the Psukim. You'll see a very odd lasha. The way the Pasuk states, Torah tells us, Vayikach, before that Pasuk, Torah tells us, Vayomer, Bi Adoni. However, it doesn't say Adoni, it says a Kamatz and under the Yud, which would sound like Hashem's name. Says the Ramban, do you know why he said not Adoni, but Ado? Because he already realized that these people were angels. Right away, Abraham Avinu knew that through the disguise, these three passerbyers are angels, says the Ramban. And that's why he called them Ado, because they're people of God, angels. Abraham, if you know that they're angels, then you know clearly that you're going to bring them home now, you're going to make this magnificent spread, you're going to go out, you're going to get three animals. He's going to give each one of the guests his own tongue, a delicacy to eat. We're talking about a tongue. Incredibly expensive. Today you go get a pound of a tongue, it's a mortgage. He gave a complete tongue to each one of the guests. He gave an incredible meal. Sarah made enough bread, says Chazal could have fed an army for three people. He made this Udat Melech with delicacies, with the finest of meats, with most incredible amount of bread, for three people who he knew were not going to eat. He knew they were angels. Does this make any sense to you? 
Abraham, what's with the charade? Who are you fooling? You know that they're angels. You know they're not going to eat. But yet, you make such a lavishing su'uda for people who aren't even going to eat. Wait, I'm only getting warmed up. You have to hear the Midrash. Midrash says, in a very next pasuk, Then he took butter and then he took milk. And then he brought a young calf, Asher Asa, that he made. Says Rashi, Asher Asa? What does that mean that he made the young calf? Rashi says, Asher Tiken, that he created. What does that mean? The Midrash tells us something incredible. Midrash tells us that he had in his stall three young calves. And he was going to take the tongue of each to give to each of one of his guests. One cave ran off, ran away. Abraham Avinu runs after the cave because there's his third tongue running away. He chases the cave. And the Midrash tells you that the cave ran all the way to Ma'arata Machpela. Right when the cave came to Ma'arata Machpela, it disappeared. This is a Midrash, by the way. I couldn't make this up if I tried. It was at that moment Abraham Avinu finds himself by Ma'arata Machpela, and he smells in this spot the smell and the scent of Gan Eden. And he says, wow, what a place. This is a very holy, special place. From that moment, he kept his eye on this special place, Ma'arata Machpela, telling himself that one day he would like to be buried here, stumbling on Ma'arata Machpela while in the process of doing his Hachnasat Orchim. But now, the third calf is gone. So what is he to do? I'll tell you what I did. If I, was in, if I was Abraham Avinu, I would have taken the other two tongues and split them up in quarters and give them out equally to the three across the board. Not Abraham. Says Rashi, Says the Midrash, Abraham Avinu went, he took out the Sefer HaYitzira, the book of creation the secrets of creation, and he created a third calf. And now he has a third tongue to deliver to the third guest. And yes, that is why he was able to give with that particular Ben Bakar, with that created calf, butter and milk. And there wasn't a problem with milk and meat, because this calf wasn't a regular calf. It was created al yide Abraham Avinu, and therefore it did not have a halacha of regular meat. It was able to be eaten with milk as well. That's a side point. But nonetheless, do you see what this says? Do you understand this medrash? Do you see to the extent that Abraham Avinu went just to wait upon these three these three passerbyers, lavishing meal? Three calves turned into two calves. He created a third calf just to give each one a tongue. For who? Abraham. For who? For angels? For people that you know aren't going to eat anyways? For people who don't need your food, who don't eat your drink, who's not going to touch your entire meal, who's simply angels. So why the whole charade? And why go so out of your way and so far to work so hard to such an unbelievable lavishing meal 
And I believe that the answer is the following. I heard an answer from a very close friend of my father, Rabbi Yisrael Siegel Halevi, Hashem should send him and Arichut Yami Mishanin. Rabbi Yisrael Siegel once told me, Abraham Avinu's tent was like a motel. Although Abraham Avinu's tent wasn't Motel 6, it was Motel 26, Yudke Vavke. He used the motel to spread Hashem's name to everyone who would come by. He used the motel as a vehicle that when people would come by, he would feed them. And then he would teach them about monotheism, about Hashem, and about how the fact that their Abu Dazara is all but nothing. Incredible. He also used the hotel for an ability to teach the world a very important lesson. And that is, Olam Hesed Ibaneh. The entire world was worthy to be created just for acts of kindness. Just for Hesed. What a tremendous teaching. And by the way, these two particular points... If you think about it today, all the Kiruv organizations, the organizations that bring people back to Judaism, they use the same techniques of Abraham Avinu. They got it from the Master himself. They put out a huge spread of food. They have people come in. Free food? They come running. Really? Rabbi, you have a good breakfast in the morning? Fifu, Fisachlet, yeah, yeah. They come. You tell them learning, you tell them this, that, okay. All of a sudden, food, they come running. That was the technique of Abraham Avinu. Abraham used his motel to open up the doors and the food to all, so that they can come in. And then, by the table, he would tell them and teach them about Hashem. But again, the second point was also true. In a time that Sidon Amora was the main metropolis in the world, the superpowers of the world at that time. They were the in place to live at that time. And they stood for an ideology that Sheli Sheli, Rishelcha Sheli, it all is mine. Chesed, Hachnasat Orchim was banned and outlawed in a place called Sedom Vamora, as we know from the story of Lot. And the world was following the direction of Sedom Vamora. Abraham Avinu was on a quest. He had to teach the world how great and how important the concept of chesed hachnasat orchim really is. And that was the whole concept of his motel. Was to teach and show the world what it means to be a Jew, what it means to do acts of kindness to other people. And therefore, yes, Abraham knew that these three people were not people, they were angels. But it wasn't for them that they were doing the incredible, tremendous work of giving a beautiful meal and all the delicacies. It was for everyone else to see. Abraham wanted the world to see. Take a look how you are to treat a guest in your home. You spare nothing. You go to the umpteenth degree. Even if you have to create cows, like he did. But there's nothing that you hold back in your kindness and in the chesed, achnasat orchim to those that you bring home and that you do with people. That was an indelible lesson that the world needed to hear in spite 
of the Sodom Amora society that was spreading in the world at that time. Abraham used this opportunity. Yes, I know they're not going to eat the food. Yes, I know there's no question that they're angels. They're not going to enjoy the food. But it's not for them that I'm doing it. I want everyone to watch me, emulate and see what does it mean chesed and how important it is to do. And that's why he went to the degree and to the expense that he did just to teach the world a lesson that the world desperately needed to hear. Chesed, achnasat orchim. Years ago I had a very close friend of mine in Eretz Israel at the time. He came from South Africa. I enjoyed listening to him speak. I always loved the South African accent. I always thought that when I went to people's houses and they made fun of me with my Brooklyn accent. So finally I had somebody to pick on now. So I used to bring the South African guy with me to everywhere I went. So he would talk, they would laugh and I would eat. It was a great system. It's a great system. I remember that one time he mentioned to me a story that made a tremendous impression on him. At that time, there were five yeshiva guys from the Murray Yeshiva who was invited out to a house in Telstone for Shabbat. Now, they pulled in two minutes before Shabbat, Kiddarkenu Bakodesh, literally by the siren. And they came running up to the house of the person that they were invited to and they started banging on the door. We're here! And then they're banging again. And they're ringing the bells. And they're calling off the balconies. And nobody answers. And then suddenly all eyes turned to the guy who was the one in charge to arrange the arrangements for these five guys for Shabbat in this house. And they turned to him and said, what happened? There's nobody home. Didn't you speak to that? Absolutely. They told me, please, take, bring as many guys as you want. Come over. Come for Shabbat. There must have been a miscommunication. There's no one home. Now these five guys are stuck in Tailstone with nowhere to go. And the people that were supposed to host them, they're gone for Shabbat. They're away. Well, word got out to the neighbors. And Mr. Nussbaum comes running out of his house. And he turns to these five guys and he says, I can't believe it. This is so menashamayim. You know, my wife made a ton of food. And I was worried, I don't know what to do with the food. I was worried we'd throw out the food. I was thinking to make a kiddush tomorrow in shul just to give people the food that is about. I just to throw out the food. I want people to eat the food at least. We have so much extra food in the house. Now I see why. You guys were meant to come to me for Shabbat. And each guy was looking at each other. They didn't really have that much of an option. And they heard a lot of food. So it's a no-brainer. They all packed into Mr. Nussbaum's house. Each one was given different rooms. And that night, Friday night, they come home to the meal. And they saw that when a South African says he has a lot of food, they know what it means. A lot of food. First, the entree. And it started with cantaloupes. And it started with all types of fishes. And then it went to the salads. And then from the salads it went to the delicacies. And from the delicacies it went to the first of many main dishes to follow. And it was a meat, and it was a roast, and it was a pastrami, and it was a pickled roast, and they went one after the next, and a chicken, and I'm getting hungry. And it kept going. <laughs> and the food wouldn't stop. 
It was as if the door to the kitchen was an evolving door. And every time they finished something, Mrs. Nussbaum brought in more. And she brought in an enormous amount of food. And these guys, I don't know what you, if you know what it means to learn in yeshiva in Israel all week. Not that much to eat. They came starving Shabbat. So they were eating everything she brought in. But even they sat back at a certain point and said, Had you already? That's it. We can't eat anymore. So Mrs. Nussbaum comes in and says, Does that mean that you guys are ready for dessert? Dessert? Who can say no to dessert? And she starts coming in with little chocolate mousses. And in the chocolate mousse was that little paper umbrella, you know? <laughs> the little... <laughs> they saw the chocolate mousse. They were wild. But when they saw the little umbrella, that's it. One guy turns to the other guy and he gives him the thumbs up. And the other guy looks at the other guy with a wink and says, Don't you dare tell anybody in Yeshiva about this place. It's our secret. <laughs> this home is the best kept secret in Israel. This place is a grand slam, this house. These South Africans are off the chart. Don't say a word. And they all agreed. While downing the chocolate mousse, playing a little bit with the umbrellas, they're only good for one or two, and then they crack. <laughs> and they went to sleep that night like they haven't slept in six months learning in Israel. Savea. They felt great. The next morning they come into shul and they're praying there in the main shul in Telstone with Mr. Nussbaum and the family. And they see that when it came time to read Kriyata Torah, Mr. Nussbaum's son walks up to the Torah and he begins to be balkore and read from the Torah, the entire parasha. He said, wow, Nussbaum's kid is a very talented kid. He can read from the Torah. How do you like that? But then finally when it came to Maftir, they gave Mr. Nussbaum's son the Aliyah. And the boy said the Biracha. And then after the Aliyah was over, everyone came up to Mr. Nussbaum and told him, Mabruk, Mazal Tov. Now, wait one second, what's going on here? And they turned to Mr. Nussbaum, they said, what's going on? And Mr. Nussbaum said, no, they were giving me congratulations on my son. He read the Torah well. He says, yeah, okay, but uh, what's going on? And then finally the boy says the last Biracha, and they start throwing the bags. And they start throwing the candies. And they start... And then one guy looks at the other. And he says, Uli, I think I know what just happened. Nussbaum is making a bar mitzvah this Shabbat. And we ate all the food. <laughs> Nussbaum gave us all the food for the Sabbath of the Bar Mitzvah that he was to hold in his home the next day after Shul. And how right they were. Because right after Tefillah and everyone from the community came over to the Nussbaum's house and they put out on the tables just a little bit what was left from the night before's onslaught. Just a few cakes that were left. A very modest kiddush. Because all the food was eaten the night before. And they came to Mr. Nussbaum, these five guys, and they said, I don't understand you. Why did you do that? Why did you give us all the food from the bar mitzvah? If we knew you were making a bar mitzvah, we would never have eaten the food. You told us your wife made extra food. And you were so happy that we're here. 
just so that we can take the food off your hands, which by the way, we were very happy to do. <laughs> Why didn't you tell us? And Mr. Nussbaum smiled. And he stood up by the bar mitzvah and he said, I'll tell you why. Everybody gets up by a bar mitzvah and they give the same speech. And they turn to their son and they preach and they say, My son, you're now a bar mitzvah. Mitzvot should become now your life. It should be special to you. That wasn't good enough for me. Words are not good enough for me. I wanted to show my son the very Shabbat of his bar mitzvah that I'm ready to give away the entire bar mitzvah feast just to guests, hachnasat orchim, to people who really need it. That's the best lesson that I could start my bar mitzvah boy with on his beginnings of mitzvot of life. Let him see it. Not just hear it. Let him see it. Daddy gave away all the food because guys were hungry. They had no place to go. That's the way you start a bar mitzvah boy off on his love and his journey and his life of mitzvot. That's the trait of Abraham Avinu. It's not enough just to go and do acts of kindness, but let people know, let them see. Go and teach people. Olam chesed yibaneh. How important and how great and how it literally keeps the world going. The incredible acts of chesed and kindness, hachnasat orchim, that we, Am Yisrael, are legendary for. The grandchildren of the master, Abraham Avinu. According to all the tzaddikim, all the gidolim, the reason why America is so successful and so wealthy is because no one can take away from the fact that she is a land of chesed. That's undisputed in the world. You might not like their theologies, you might be against them and for them, they might kill us religiously, but at the end of the day, chesed they are. And that's because of the incredible, and that is why rather, the incredible wealth and the success that this country has seen. I've heard from many gidolim that the reason they had the success that they have in the United States financially is because it is undisputably a land of chesed. That's an incredible eye-opener. You know, I wish people would hear this if they would only know from the receiving end how true this is. It's not so much about the food. It's not about your menu. And it's not necessarily about how much or how many servings or helpings you put on the table when you have your guests or when you do chesed with other people. If people would only understand that it's more the giving of yourself than of the food, of the drink, or whatever else you may come to entertain your guests. That means more to the person than anything. It's the environment that you create. To create a comfortable environment that someone should feel when they come to your home that they're literally part of your family. They should feel comfortable there. They should feel as one of everybody else. Even if you don't have that much to give. How many times we hear people, I can't have guests. I didn't cook enough. It's not about the cooking. It's about simply giving a person the respect and the feeling and the hashibut that you're there waiting on them, helping them, giving them, making and connecting with them, a part of them. 
That's the real heartbeat of Chesed, the real heartbeat of Achnasat Orchim. And that was the Gadlut also of Abraham Avinu who he taught us. Abraham Avinu made a tremendous impression on these angels. Even though they didn't eat a thing. They can't eat. But yet, they never forgot him. How do I know this? Midrash tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shamayim to get the Torah, 40 days and 40 nights, the Midrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu was confronted by the angels. And when the angels found out that he was here to take the Torah away from them, they wanted to kill him. And it's then the Torah, the Midrash tells us that one angel looks closely and says, Wait! Don't kill him! Take a look! He looks just like that old man that took care of us many years ago when we came down to earth. That old man that went and served us and gave us such an unbelievable hospitality of respect and how he dealt with us with such warmth and comfort. Leave him alone. Don't touch him. He looks like that old man on earth. What they were saying was that Moshe looked like Abraham Avinu. And the angels never forgot Abraham Avinu because of the way he dealt with them. Even that they were on their own mission. And because of that, they didn't touch Moshe Rabbeinu because he looked like the great master of Chesed, Abraham Avinu. How did he make such an impression on angels when they didn't eat any of the food? They didn't take any of the delicacies. It's not just about the food. It's not necessarily what you put on the table. It's more what you give of yourself. It's more the comfort and the feeling, the ambiance, the atmosphere that you create for the person to feel at home. That's the real chesed. That's the real hachnasat orchim. That the person walks away feeling so good. That you could even do with angels. That Abraham Avinu had the angels leave him saying, Wow, how he took care of us! Wow, what a person! They never forgot him. Many years later, thinking that Moshe looks like Abraham, he looks like him, leave him alone. But we learn here a tremendous lesson. A very close friend of mine, who was doing 40 days by the Kotel, and when you do 40 days, the Sigula, 40 days by the Kotel, every day without missing a day, saying the same tefillah, day by day, a wonderful, very powerful Sigula. He told me that the most difficult time to do it is Shabbat. You can't drive out to the Kotel, you can't come by bus. You got to walk. My yeshiva was an hour away from the Kotel. So what most of the guys did, they would go Friday afternoon, they would say the tefillah for Friday, and then they would wait the Friday night, pray by the Kotel Friday night, and then after our beat, they would say the next tefillah, because it's already considered the next day, Shabbat. Like this, they wouldn't have to come back to the Kotel twice. And then they would take a long walk back. But the time you got back home Friday night, yeshiva, the food was gone. So they would always look for places in the old city next to the Kotel to eat. A friend of mine told me that he was there one Friday night waiting for somebody to walk over to him and ask him to eat. Which, by the way, it's something so beautiful to see. In America, we don't get to see these things that much. It's worth it. And I, I really, I would push you. An opportunity if you have. If you're going to Israel in the near future, and even if you're not, go. Spend a Friday night by the Kotel. You'll see incredible things that you've never seen. 
The achdut of the Jewish people is unbelievable there Friday night. The singing, the dancing of L'chadodi. How 500 strong the boys of Yeshivat HaKotel come dancing down with their rabbis. And they come to the Kotel area and they dance together with the Hasidim. I mean, that's a sight to see. You blink, you thought Mashiach came. It was beautiful. All different types of Jews from all different types of walks of life. But then after, when it's all done, anyone who needs a place to eat, they go up to the wall and they wait. And people walk up and they offer, Would you, do you need a place to eat? Come home with me. This guy was very shy, my friend. So he stood in the corner by the wall. And all the other people who need places to eat were grabbed up right away. But it looks like that he was out of luck as well. Because he was standing there alone and basically everybody left. And there was only one guy left by the hotel. An older guy with tattered clothing. And he said he felt really bad to even ask the guy to go eat by him because he didn't look like he had much for himself. But nonetheless, before he can even ask, this guy sees my friend standing there alone. So he runs up to him and he says to him, Do you need a place to stay? Do you need a place to eat? Please, come. I don't have a lot in my house. But whatever I have, I'll give you with open arms. And he said, okay. And he went back with him to the house. And he saw what he thought would be a house turned into a hole in the wall. Literally. This man lived in an apartment that was one and a half rooms. When he walked into the apartment, my friend told me there were mattresses all over the floors. It was one big bedroom. The man had 11 children. And everywhere you turned, there were more mattresses. And they slept all over the apartment. And he said to himself, Oh boy, I really got myself into one now. And he walked up to the table. And he sees the table. Had so many chairs around it. And he's thinking to himself, he saw that there was just a little bit salt on the table. Chalot, there weren't even plates. There was very little food in the house. And he felt so terrible. He said he wanted to leave. He didn't want to take the food from them. But how could he? He can't walk out now. But then he said he was so happy he didn't. Because at that moment he saw something incredible. Right when the father said, Children, we're about to eat. These 11 children come running up to the table. Each one has their own spot. Each one steps aside and pulled out the chair for the other child. Each child walks up to the table. They push the chair, the older ones, to the younger ones. Now everyone is sitting at their spot in the table. And there's such a serenity and a silence by the table. The father picked up the coast and made kiddush. He couldn't hear a pin drop. He said he sat there by this table and he felt the shekhinah in this house. They didn't have a lot. But they had something that people who may have a lot may lack. They had such happiness in that house. They might not have had a lot of food. But he said to me, I will never forget that meal. That was one of the best Friday night meals I've ever been at. I hardly ate anything. There was very little food at all. He said, they gave me a little piece of chicken. That was the main dish. Not a whole chicken. It was just a drumstick. That was it. They gave him a little piece of the challah. They had a little bit of ganoush, but that's it. He said, that was the whole meal. But he said, the singing, the happiness, the children giggling and laughing, the achdut, the love. He said, that was achnasat orchim, he'll never forget. Because the environment gave to him more than any food can ever do. That was Abraham Avinu. He was even able to create an environment 
that made an indelible, lasting impression for angels who would never forget him for hundreds of years. Later on, bailing out Moshe Rabbeinu, who looked like Abraham Avinu. What a powerful lesson. It's not the food. Yes, don't get me wrong. Obviously, a person is very happy when they get to eat. But it's more than just the food. It's more than the spread. It's you. Chesed, achnasat orchim means give from you. Give a little bit of you to the person. Give them a conversation. Give them a warmth. Laugh with them. Let them walk out of your home feeling great. That's more than all the food you can give. That's the real lesson that the Master Abraham Avinu taught us of Chesed Achnasat Orchim. I want to tell you an incredible thing I just heard today. It's amazing how Borei Olam sends these things. At the right time. And I tell you, when I think, at times I think, Hashem, I need Parnasa. But I also need speeches. You got to give it to me on time. Help me to be able, because I tell you the truth, this morning, I was still lacking. And today, Borei Olam sent me an unbelievable, fascinating thought of a story. I, I thank the person who told this to me today. There's a cook in Lakewood who him and his wife married for 12 years with no children. And the doctors told them, forget about it. There's nothing to talk about. Biologically, scientifically, it's just not possible. Just not possible. And that was it. 12 years. No children. This now middle-aged woman finds out that her mother desperately needs a kidney transplant. So she immediately ran to the hospital and offered her kidney for her mother, feeling as a child that probably it would be a good match. And sure enough, after doing the tests, they saw that the kidney should be a good match. And they did the operation and they removed one of her kidneys and gave it to her mother. And now her mother was taken off for dialysis and she was able to live a normal life. What a chesed. Can you imagine that? Doesn't that redefine the concept of giving from yourself? She literally gave a piece of herself. What a chesed, says Borei Olam. You gave from yourself. Now watch. A month later, they thought that she was having complications from the operation of losing a kidney. She was nauseous. She woke up all types of hours in the night crying. Till finally she comes crying to the doctor. Oh, this operation of the kidney. It really took my kidney out, right? <laughs> took my kishkes out, right? The doctor said, let me examine you. He examined her. He says, well, everything seemed to have gone very well. And the truth is that you're healing very, very well. Sure enough, the doctor said, how about you go home tonight and call me in the morning, tell me how you feel. And let's monitor it. That evening she went home. And she started throwing up. And the next morning she took a pregnancy test. And after 12 years, she found now to be holding a child. Amazing. I heard my much today. I got the call on this one today. You've given from yourself. That's what Hashem wants. It's, it's not the food so much. It's not the, it's not the drink. 
It's you. Give from yourself. That's the real chesed. Yes, you manifest the giving of yourself through items, objects, food, drink. Sometimes it's your time. Sometimes it's a joke. Sometimes it's to warm up to a person who's in the dumps. Sometimes it's to put an arm around the person and say, Hey, you're looking like you're having a tough day. Let's go out and take a walk. Let's enjoy a little bit. And you pull them out of the rut. That's the greatest chesed you can do. What have you given them? You know what you've given them? A piece of yourself. That was Abraham Avinu. Even angels you can do chesed like that. What a great chidush he taught us. From the master of chesed. Wow, it's late. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to tell you over that the Lubrina, the Tzaddik of Lublin, he was very old and he was very meticulous never really to eat out of his home much. And at that time, this great Tzaddik who was old now and very sick and he wasn't eating at all and no matter what his wife made, no matter what she brought to him, he wouldn't eat. Till finally his son said, Abba, you have to eat something. Let me bring you something to eat. He said, if you want, the only thing I'll eat is, you know, Estela, the water carrier's wife, I'll eat her soup. But nothing else. And the son looks at his father, seriously? He says, yes. I'll never forget that soup. Now this is very out of character for a gadol at Sadiq to remember a soup. So the son of the Lubliner goes running over to the the water carrier, and he knocks on the door and he says, Rabbi Yitzchak, whatever his name was, I don't know what his name was. He says, Rabbi Yitzchak, tell me, I want to talk to your wife. What was the recipe for that soup that she made on the one time that my father came by to your home? And she comes out and she drops her head and she says, I'll tell you the truth. We asked your father when he was younger so many times to come to our home. The great Sadiq of the town, but he never would come. And finally, one time, he surprised us. He walked up to the house, and I had no food. And this was the opportunity to home the great Sadiq, but I had no food. She said, you know what I did? I took out a pot. I filled it up with water. I put the pot down on the table. I picked up my hands to Shammai, and I began to cry to Hashem. And I said, Hashem, the flavor... The warmth, the love in the world comes from you. Because you put it into the world for the great Sadiqim, for Am Yisrael. Please don't fail me now. I'm begging you please. Allow that this soup should taste like the time of Gan Eden. And as she's crying, the teardrops are running down into the bowl of soup. It was at that moment that she picked up the bowl. She comes inside and served it to the Rebbe. Everybody by the table ate that soup and they could not get enough of it. Till finally the Rebbe said to his son, You want to feed me something? Get me Estela's soup. That tasted to me like the soup of Gan Eden. That came from the heart. That's chesed. It's not, let me get rid of this guy so I'll kiss him with a few dollars. That's not what chesed is. 
Chesed. And I, I would like to mention this. My father told me this many times growing up. He used to tell me, Dovi, real Chesed. Chesed is not when you want to do it. It's when the other person needs it. And that's very true. Very powerful concept. Chesed is not when it's convenient always for you to do. It's more like when the person really needs it. Even when it's not convenient. But that's what it means to give from yourself. To give a part of yourself. Literally the tears. And how incredible the concept is. The smart person. To be able to know how to give and do for others. But without them feeling shameful when they have to receive from you. I love those people. I love those people who know how to turn things around and they tell the person on the receiving end, you're doing me the biggest favor. Thank you. They make the Ani feel that they're doing them the favor. Not that you're doing him the favor. I love those people. You know the guy that's in his car and he's going to Avenue J and someone runs up and says, hey, can you give me a ride? And he says, sure, where are you going to? I'm going to Avenue Z. And he says, Uli, that's the opposite direction. Don't turn to the guy and say, well, the truth is I was going to J the opposite direction, but you know what? I'll take you anyways. Now the guy feels terrible. Terrible. I love those people that turn to the guy and say, you're going to Avenue Z? That's where I was going. What a coincidence. Now the guy doesn't feel bad receiving and taking the act of kindness because you just took the shame out of the situation. This is reminiscent of the Gemara. Gemara Baba Batra says, a person that gives tzedakah and he says, I'm giving it, al-minat bini, I'm giving tzedakah to the person, to the poor man, on the condition, so it should be a zechut, that my son should have a refuah shalema, says the Gemara, hareze. Tzadik Gamur. Tzadik Gamur. Es old Aharonim. That's called it Tzadik Gamur. Tzadik Gamur would be when the guy gives tzedakah, not for personal reasons, not for ulterior motives, but just L'shem Shamayim. Not for his son to get better, for a personal zikhut. What does that mean that he's a Tzadik Gamur? Explains Harav Benet, one of the great Aharonim. He says, no, no, you're reading the Gemara wrong. You know what it means? Picture this. I tried this one time. It works. One time I tried this. There was a knock at the door. And it was 10.30 at night. And I just came home from Brooklyn. And I felt like a wrinkled out rag. I drove in at 5 o'clock in the morning. I came back. It was already 10.30. And I was gone. Not gone. Totally gone. I was falling over my feet I was seeing triple and all of a sudden bang 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 there's a knock at the door and I said Ole. oh boy right away the Yitzhara kicks in you're tired you're tired you put in a full day the guy by the door he doesn't know that you commute back and forth every day he doesn't know this and he doesn't know that let it be someone else will give him something but then I remembered I remembered this this concept of Abraham so I ran to the door and I opened the door. And I said to the guy, Shalom Aleichem, I was waiting for you. And the guy had his head down like this and he looks up. And he says, you were waiting for me? You don't even know me. I said, please, please come in. 
and his head was hung down and he shows I had this tsara and I have that tsara and my wife and my children aren't feeling well and this problem and that problem and I have a letter from Khamavad Yosef and a letter from this one and I said to him, wow, I'm so happy I'm so happy you came you know, I also have tsarot and I need a zikhut and you bailed me out you're a godsend now I have the opportunity to get a zikhut that I really need Thank God you showed up on my door. The guy was looking at me like, he wanted to pinch me like, everybody else, he spent the whole night talking to just, you know, video cameras and conference phones and, and he says, hey, I'm telling you, what did I give the guy? $18. But he walked out, I saw it. For that half an hour that he was sitting by me, he forgot all his problems. He forgot that he has a trouble here and a trouble there. He walked out happy. He walked out laughing. We were talking about Israel. We were making very interesting Israeli jokes. We were making... He walked out happy. And I said, wow, Abraham Avinu is a genius. That's the concept. That's the Gemara. When the guy says, I'm giving the Anit Tzedakah on the condition that it should be a zikhut for my son to get better. You know what it means? It means that he comes to the Ani and he says, You're a godsend. I'm so happy that you came. I have a son that's not feeling well. You are so lucky that you helped me here. I'm so lucky. You did me a favor. I need the zikhut. You did me the biggest favor by coming today. Now I'll have a zikhut for my son to get better. Says the Gemara, Oh, you turned the tables around. You took the shame away from the Ani. You made him feel like he was doing you a favor instead of you to him. That's a great level. And I want to end off and I want to tell you, you don't know how great of a Kiddush Hashem it is in the eyes of Goyim when they see Jewish people and their acts of legendary kindness and the organizations and the Gemachim and everything that we have today of Chesed and Chesed and Chesed. It's a generation today of Abraham. It's a generation of Chesed. And I'm just going to send you off tonight and say goodnight on this one point. There was a Kolel guy who was going home, driving in his old beaten up car on the way home. And he sees on the side of the road that there was a limousine broken down. So he comes out of his broken down car and he walks up to the limo and he sees a flat tire and he sees the driver is trying to get the wheels off. He can't do it. So he comes up to the guy and says, let me give you a hand. I know how to work these tires. And he pulls out of the back of his car one of these smart wrenches. And no time, he gets the tire off. In no time, he pulls another tire out of the back of the spear, puts it back on. And on a very cold night, with this limo broken down at the side of the road, he had the limo back on the road in no time. Right when he was finished, the tinted mirror goes down in the back. And a man sticks his head out and says, Hey, come over here. Uh, listen, young Jewish man, I really have appreciation for what you did. I was on my way to a very important meeting. Tell me, I'd like to send you a thank you note. What's your name? What's your address? So he said, Okay. Kiddush Hashem. He sees a Jewish guy who helped him. He gives him his name. He gives him the address. And that was it. He gets back into his car and he drives home. The next day, in the afternoon, he gets a call from his wife. She's frantic. She says, you got to come home from Kolel right now. He says, what's the matter? I can't tell you. Just come home. 
He says, what is it, another mouse? No, just come home! <laughs> he jumps back into his car, he doesn't know what to expect, and he drives home. He comes into his house, and the entire house was covered with roses. Thousands of bouquets of roses. And he looked at his wife and he said, who sent this? And she says, there was a little card. After all these roses were delivered, he pulls out the card. And the card says, thank you. Thank you for being so kind to help me and to put me back on the road yesterday. By the way, I paid your mortgage on the house for you. And I hope your wife enjoys the flowers. Signed, Donald Trump. Olam Chesed Ibaneh. The Chesed that we can do to teach the world and to show. Whether it be Malachim, whether it be Am Yisrael, whether it be Kiddush Hashem for Goyim. But that's who we are. Bnei Ubenot Abraham Avinu. The master of Chesed. What a fulfillment. What a calling in the generation of Chesed. And these acts of Chesed are the promise that we're going to be Zochet together as the children of Abraham, Yitzchak and Yaakov. Bishut the Chesed and the organizations and the Gemachim and the wonderful actions of kindness of Am Yisrael. Bore Olam will shine back to us the kindness, look past our faults, and finally bring Mashiach Tzidkenu. Thank you so much for coming, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. This is Rabbi Divi Ben Shushan from Congregation Magen Abraham. Please tune in every week on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Have a great week. Shabbat Tov.